Amen. I sent an email out around the week um, just talking about this, this great little fellow in the Bible called um, Epaphrodites. He's one of my heroes in the Bible, and, and Paul talks about him in Philippians and, and calls him this thing. He says, Epaphrodites, my brother, my co-worker, and fellow soldier. And he just shows a, different, a few of the different ways in which we serve. Paul related to him in a few different ways. He was a brother. He was family to him. He was a co-worker. They worked together for the kingdom, and he, but he was also a fellow soldier. They battled together for the kingdom. And we see there the relationships we have and the different facets of life of a church that happened because of that. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about that this morning and the heartbeat that went behind Epaphrodites in there. And we find in Matthew 18, Jesus is talking to the disciples and have one of those great conversations that he has with them. Um, there's about four of them that go on if you go through the different, uh, different gospels there. But in Matthew 18, he starts off with this. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so Jesus went and got a little kid And he said, if you've got to come, if you come to the kingdom like this child, then you'll be great in the kingdom. This is how you've got to be, eating biscuits in church. That's <laughs> and, uh, he goes on in the same encounter in Mark and, and adds this extra line to the encounter in Mark. And sitting down, Jesus called the twelve have gone into a house. Anyone who wants to be first must be very last and the servant of all. Or another way of summarizing all that and how he says it in another place is pretty much this. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to be a servant. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you need to be a servant. Now, over when we grow through life, we begin to understand things a little bit differently. When I was young, I used to think this. Well, if I do enough good stuff around the church, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a big enough room to really enjoy myself, and God's going to have built me a, a great big house, and I'm going to do really well there, because that's what it means. If I'm going to be great in the kingdom, I need to serve around the church now. <laughs> you been to my office or something. <laughs> it's amazing what we believe when we're young. I was... Um, when I was little, I used to, I remember distinctively when I was five, I used to sit there and think and I'd wake up in the morning and because when you're five, you sleep from seven to seven, so you spend half your time sleeping. So I used to wonder, I went, is my life actually my life? Because I didn't remember having any dreams too much, but I remembered a few. I just wondered, is my life actually a giant that's gone to sleep and they're dreaming and that's my life right now? And some of these are the little things that we have when we're a kid. There was one little kid, that, um, one child that had a thought, and they believed that when cows sneeze, that's how we got our milk. <laughs> There's another little girl, and, and um, her grandmother knitted a lot, and Dad used to say she, could, she knitted everything. This is back in World War II. She just knitted the whole um, British Navy, and she, he went up, she went up and looked at Nana's needles one day and saw these size 15 needles, and I said, Dad, what would you do with them? Oh, they're the ones she knits battleships with. And so she pondered this for a while and thought and went, oh, okay, this must be one of those adult things I just don't understand. And then she saw her mum cleaning the, the saucepans after dinner. What's that you're using, mum? Steel wool. Ah. <laughs> I 
it's amazing some of the things that we believe when we were, when we were a kid. There was a, a child that used to believe that if you wanted to be a doctor, your first name had to be doctor. And she was very upset with mum that she didn't name her doctor for a long time there. But I've come to a much different understanding of the scripture as I've got older, that this isn't a then thing, it's a now thing. That being great in the kingdom of God is not something that we're waiting for to achieve, but this is actually a now thing. As we understand the kingdom of God isn't some place that we're going to, but it's God's way of doing things now. It's his order, it's his kingdom come now, his manifest kingdom. It's our lives and our world lining up with his values and his standards. So in another way of putting this, if we went back to English, it's not a noun, it's a verb. It's doing. It's how it's acting. It's how it's being. Jesus used to say, not that the kingdom's coming. He used to say, the kingdom's at hand. It's right here in our midst. The kingdom has come today. It's right here. I love when the kingdom turns up. Last year, when I've had some people asking me, what's going on down the front shop? What's going on there? So just so you know, so I can fill in some information. We've got a pet shop or a pet food shop. One of the two, I don't really know. But it's got something to do with pets and um, something to do with pet food. And so that's, that's going to be opening up in the coming weeks right there. And that was just one of these things when the kingdom of God rocked up. We were fasting last year and all of a sudden all our tenancies are filled up. That week people just came in and started talking to us. God just lined things up. We didn't search. We didn't apply with real estates or anything else. People just walked in our door. I love when the kingdom of God starts lining up. That's what we were talking about with Carol before. The kingdom of God just decided to rock up before Christmas, and here she is back in our midst. The kingdom of God's just fun. It's just a whole bunch of fun. But a lot of the time, it seems backwards and upside down. If you want to be great, you need to be a servant. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want to live, you need to die. If you want to be full, you need to be empty. If you want to be go up, you need to go down. If you want to win, you need to lose. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you need to be... A servant. So one of the things with this verse, we need to look at what's actually going on here. I learned a while back that landscape's important. I moved down to Logan when I was 17, and, and uh, Pete and I had a unit on Bryant's Road and lived down there for six months. And I, I used to travel from my unit to the Hyperdome and go to Griffith Uni, and then I used to come to church, and that was about it. I had a few mates' places who I, who I went to, and there was one friend up on like... Um, Selendine, up in the middle of Shaler Park there. And the way we always used to get there was off Plantain Road, go along Bryant's Road and up Plantain Road. And I thought in between my place and where they were was this giant mountain that you couldn't pass. Maybe if you're a, a dwarf or a troll or something, you could go through the mountain and get there or something. But I thought there was this great big mountain that you couldn't pass. Then one day, we were going up from Spa and went across the road and up that way to it and went, oh, wow. All of a sudden, these two halves of Shaler Park just connected and this giant thing in my head just became smaller and connected together. Same thing happens around here when we show people through and they come in here and see in here and they might come through our offices next door and they come out the back behind stage and they're like, this place is huge, how do you get around? And then if you ever take them out the back door in the door next door, all of a sudden it goes, ah, that's how it all links together and connects together. And the number of times I've had that light bulb moment with people it's amazing. And so I just want to look at a roadmap of what's going on when the disciples and Jesus had this conversation. See, Jesus was, was talking about him dying and, and talking about the point that he was going to the cross and the disciples were, were getting upset with that. And then Peter, James, and John went up a mountain with Jesus and 
he started glowing, and then all of a sudden Elijah and Moses were there and talking about it. They think, hang on, things are getting pretty serious here. Things are hotting up a little bit. They come down the mountain. The rest of the disciples are praying for a young boy who's demon-possessed. They couldn't cast him out. Jesus comes in, what are you guys doing? Cast the demon out. Then they really start thinking, wow, this is starting to really hot up here. This is getting the time. We're, we're going to be, Jesus is about to take over. He's kicking the Romans out. It's all happening now. And so they start having one of those good schoolyard conversations that you have. I'm better than you. He likes me more. I'm his favorite. No, and so eventually they get to the point, walking along the road, when Jesus comes and, and sits down with them. See, Jesus is on a totally different page today. They, they, what they're doing at this point, Jesus knows he's got a week left before Easter. It's a week before Passover. And so they're going along the road to Jerusalem. Jesus is probably hanging along behind them. He doesn't want anyone else to know where they're going. This is special time with the disciples, so we know he's going to be telling them some pretty, pretty serious stuff. This is one of those passages Mark 9 and 10, one of those really good things to read because you know it's a week before the crucifixion. He's going to be laying down some pretty heavy stuff for them. And so what he speaks in there, we, we probably should sit up and take notice of. And so he gets there and he knows what they've been talking about. He's heard them. And so he sits down in the house and they have this conversation and it comes up, you know, which one of us is the best? Which one of us is greatest? And it's like, well, you've got to be like a little kid and you need to be the servant of all. First thing, you need to be a servant. And then these three things happen going along the way. He keeps talking and he talks about the children. You've got to accept the children here. These children are the ones that accept the kingdom. If you don't look after the children, you're not looking after the kingdom. Then they start asking Jesus about these guys that were casting demons out that hadn't been part of them. Going, these guys are casting demons out. But it's okay, Jesus. The church down the road, they had miracles going on. They, they, they were seeing people healed, they were seeing people delivered, but it's okay. It's okay, Jesus. I went up and told them to stop. I sorted them out. And Jesus goes, what are you doing? What are you absolutely doing? If they're doing it in my name, they're with us. We want them to continue. They're not going to be saying bad things about me. They're going to be saying great things about me. We're all in this together. This causes for us together. And then he starts telling a parable about a young, uh, a young man comes up and sees him, finds him, and asks him, hey, I do all these good things. What else do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? So I go give away all your money. Ah. And he went away sad, the Bible says. And the disciples come, Jesus, if a rich can't get there, what good is it for any of us? He says, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. And they say to him, We've given up everything for you. We have given everything. And I, I can see Jesus at that point sitting there going, they finally got it. So you notice there's three things that happen there. He talks about the young kids. He talks about family, looking after family. What's the church? We're a community. We're a family together. One of the functions of us and one of the services that we do is actually our body ministry. Youth, children, men, women, seniors, creche, all those things where we care for each other. And one of the things that we're doing in that is we're caring for the weakest. And that's what Jesus said. If you look after the weakest, that's the kingdom of God at that point. And then he comes up and he's talking about some other people that are, that are following the cause. 
They're winning goals for the kingdom. They're casting out the devil. They're, they're seeing the kingdom advanced. We're a cause. We're an army. See, in family, when we relate together, it's mum, dad, son, daughter, brother, and sister. But see, when we've got the cause as well, then we start relating general, captain, sergeant, soldier. The relationship's different. But we start celebrating not just helping each other, but we start celebrating the things we're achieving. Strength. Commitment. And then he starts talking about finance. Corporation. The allocation of assets. The allocation of time. The best use of everything. Where we relate to each other as boss, employee. Where all of a sudden we value the things that are, 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 that are getting things right. We, we value faithfulness at that point. Three things that are laid out that we see in Epaphrodites as well. But that's a side thing. I didn't want to talk about that but. Jesus is there and he's like, they finally get it. Just so excited. And then the next comment that comes out of their mouths, James and John, hey, Jesus, you know, when we get to heaven, can I sit on your left and my brother on your right? And you can just see Jesus just turn to the wall and start just bashing his head against it. We had this conversation yesterday. Do we have to? Another place, their mum comes up. Hey, Jesus. James and John, my kids, come on. It's just, just imagine that. Mum rocking up, you're starting an apprenticeship. Hey, boss man, my son's very delicate. You know, he, he, he needs breaks every 20 minutes. And um, he's a bit allergic to dust as well. So he can't actually do any sweeping or anything else like that. And, and I'd appreciate if you just spoke nicely to him. He doesn't respond well when people get angry and upset with him. You know, you know what the boss is going to do, isn't it? Here's a broom. <laughs> sweep, 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 sweep. <laughs> you got to wonder what their mum was thinking anyway. <laughs> we get to this point. It's, it's here in um, Mark 10. Jesus called them together and said, this is after they asked him, you know, those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. They're high officials, they exercise it over them. So that, they act like they're in charge. But not with you. This isn't how we work. Whoever wants to become great must be your servant. Who wants to be first must be the slave of all. Because even I did it that way. When I came, I didn't come and boss you around and lord it over you. I came and served you. He gave my life as a ransom. So if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for you. See, so many people, have, I've heard a lot of stuff. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, we, we interpret that passage and get it there. And we think of it from the point of view of the disciples. Okay, so I'm going to serve in my church because I want to be a leader. I want, I'm going to start cleaning toilets because I want to be a great preacher. I'm going to start looking after the creche because I want to be a, a, a missionary. I'm cleaning this toilet today because I'm going to preach. I'm, I'm taking meals because I want a TV preaching ministry. See, I don't think Jesus was telling his disciples that. I don't think he was lining up his disciples with a career path. Now, don't get me wrong. Leaders need to be servants. Leaders need to have a servant attitude. But I, I don't think Jesus was looking for a manager or a leader. At that point, he was looking for someone who would carry the kingdom of God. I don't think he was looking for a preacher. 
He was looking for someone who would allow him to have his way. He wasn't looking for a politician. He was looking for someone who would show Jesus. He wasn't looking for a general. He was looking for a way to touch his children. See, he wasn't talking about promoting our position. He was talking about our spiritual position. He wants his kingdom to be able to move through us. See, servants focus on a few different things. They focus on their spiritual position, not their promotion. A lot of us try, and and there's a lot of people that do that, and we get in that headspace. I'm going to serve this way and do this thing just so I can get that job, so I can get that leadership role, so I can get that position in church. But this is an attitude thing. The second thing they do is they focus on their work and not others. Jesus, in this whole discourse, tells a story about a man with a vineyard, and he, he needs people to come and work for him. He's got a whole bunch of work to do out his backyard and he finds some guys in the morning, come, come, I'll, I'll pay you and, and clean up my yard. And then about morning tea, he needs some more, oh, there's more people, come, help me clean up. Lunchtime, more people come. You know, five o'clock, they're knocking off, four o'clock, he's still getting people in to help him out. Gets to the end of the day, starts handing out the wages and we know how it goes, they all get the same amount. The ones at the beginning look around and go, hang on a sec. They didn't do anywhere near as much work I did and they're getting paid the same. It's like, no, mate, focus on your work, not what others do. Servants focus on what they do, not what everyone else is doing. So often we can get like that. Oh, what do you mean? They're slacking off. I can't believe I do so much more for the kingdom than they do. Servants focus on their work, not others. Servants see ministry as an opportunity. You know, when we gather in leaders' meetings, I, um, I like to often finish off like this. You're welcome. When we gather around and talk about leadership and, and different roles in the church, I, I like finishing off with your welcome. See, ministry is an opportunity. When we serve in different ways, different things around the house, that I'm just so grateful to the people that come and set up and serve on worship and, and do lights and clean and serve in different ministries and all the other stuff, which I've got no idea that happens, but happens so wonderfully. I'm so grateful for that. But I can say this, you're not doing me a benefit. You're not doing the church a benefit. You're taking an opportunity to grow as a servant for the greatness of the kingdom of God in your life. I'm sure Jesus sits there so often and says, welcome. See, it doesn't matter what you think. Um, Hanging out with 13-year-olds is not cool. I'm probably the only person that thinks it is. Hanging out with children isn't cool. Just coming and vacuuming this place and setting up chairs in the morning isn't cool. I get that. But it's an opportunity for our ministry. We mentioned before about three different ways. Community, cause, corporation. Three different areas that, that all of us, all of us have a lean one way or another. Some of us think about the kingdom and we think it's just, we need to care for people and love them and, and just nurture. Some of us, when we think about the kingdom of God, we think about where are those that need to be saved? Let's get together. Why aren't we doing it? We just need to be out there reaching people. Some of us think we need to be looking after the resources that we've got. Where's our money going? Are we paying off the mortgages? Are we allocating resources? Look at that, look at that bit of the roof. It needs fixing. Look at that bit on the car. It needs repairing and things like that. All of us have a different lean on that. But all of us, to be the fullness of the kingdom, we need to serve in all those ways. Looking after facilities, looking after people. Seeing people come to the kingdom of God. Servants focus on being available. See, armies, talking cause, army men and women, 
They don't fill their time up with TV shows and all these things and commitments. They're there ready to go no matter what, responsive. If they're called on, they're ready. And when they're, when they're on, out on assignments, that they're sleeping with boots on, gun next to them. They're ready to just get up and go. Are we willing to let God mess up our schedules? Are we willing to let God mess up our TV show? Are we willing to let God mess up our, our time and the things that we've committed to it and, and are excited about? Servants, do it with joy. Servants are faithful in ministry. They're faithful what's in their hands. Colossians 3.23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were doing it for the Lord rather than people. It doesn't matter what the task is. We do it with the same diligence. Jesus came and he knows what it meant to do menial tasks. He washed feet. He prepared food. He served homeless. He helped children. And he did it all the same as everything else he did. He did it with the same energy and gusto, same 100% as when he was healing people or praying. Do we have the same attitude at doing that? Faithfulness means being able to be counted on, 100% committed to the task and role. I wonder how many churches, how many people have been let down and not been able to hear the gospel because volunteers didn't turn up to their task on time because volunteers didn't fulfill the duties or or go through. I'm sure there's been countless thousands of people, thousands of churches that have been hindered by what they can because volunteers didn't operate with a servant attitude. And and this is a hard thing for me to say. I don't like saying this stuff because right here, we've got a great team of volunteers here. Everyone turns up on time and does their job 100%. So I'm talking about other churches. I'm talking about other... But I'm talking about myself and going, with the task that's been placed in my hands... I want to do it unto the Lord and value all the resource and value every part of it, all the bits that I like, all the bits that I get bored to tears doing. Do it unto the Lord as if he was there watching it. And then the last one is this. Service is actually impossible for us to do. You see, Jesus had just been talking to them about this and then he hangs out with the guys, goes through the crucifixion, hangs out with them 40 days just given them and empowered them all the things that they needed to do to serve, they were ready. Then he says, wait. Don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. Because if we tried to do this, all of a sudden we make it law and regulation, we do it in our strength and it becomes obligation. We get tired and worn out and grumpy about it. and That's why we need his presence and his spirit to do it. Those that hang out with me when I'm praying before, services. Usually some part in there, things happen like this. Lord, we just trust in your anointing. We just trust in your presence because this isn't us. We can't do it. We just need you. And it's amazing when we get that focus, how things become lighter and things become easier to do. I have this quote by Dr. Muthan King. Everyone can be great because everybody can serve. And I encourage you this year, be great. We were talking at the end of last year about this being the best year ever, the greatest year ever. I encourage you this year, be great in every way. Are you serving in in our community? Are you caring for people? Carol wrote me a note telling me about people that were were doing that and um, looking after lawns and feeding and all, all sorts. of. I know we've got people here that care. I know we had a bunch of people that met about youth ministry on Friday night 
So this morning after church, Pastor David's meeting with a team for um, children's ministry. You know, I encourage you. If you've got something inside you that wants to be part of children, hang out there after church this morning. Find out what it's about. Get to know it. I am so grateful to those that listened to that call last year and that we started breaking generational molds with that because generations need to connect, and, and I love that. And so next, next Tuesday night, next Tuesday, Pete? This Tuesday. This week or next week? Next week. Next week, a bunch of guys finding out about men's ministry meet here at 7 p.m. The week after women's ministry gathering together. And we'll find out more things as the year goes on with some more opportunities. Um, a whole bunch of stuff around here. Pastor Natalie does a great job organizing all the bits and pieces that operate around our services and other things around there. Let us know. I understand we're all different shapes and different times. I'm happy to sit down with you and help you find the place where you fit in and that service can be part of your lifestyle. I'm thankful for the people that come and help out in the, in the op shop and, and serve in that way. And that does all these things sort of wrapped up together. And the cause, well, that's all of us in our world. What's your sphere of influence? Who are the people that you are Jesus to that nobody else sees? That they won't hear Jesus from anyone else other than you? Oh, let's pray. Father, we just thank you that Lord, there is a path to greatness of the kingdom of God. Lord, and it's not about us getting a medal. It's not about us getting a handshake at the end or a pat on the back. But, Lord, it's about us positioning ourselves to allow your kingdom to have its way on this earth. Lord, and there's nothing that's really more exciting than that. We, really, we just want to see you just come and do your thing and have your way here, Lord. We want to see you come and break out. So, Lord, we just want to get that heartbeat and just ask that you'd forgive us for the times that we get in our own way. Forgive us for the times when we, we make it about ourselves and, and get cranky and we get focused on ourselves, Lord, but we just ask that you would just give us that spirit right now. Holy Spirit, we need you. There is no way we can do the tasks and job of the kingdom without you. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come, that you would just infill us again today, Lord, that that would be a continuing thing. We know we need to be responsive to you daily. But today, we ask for your presence to accomplish that which you've placed in our hands to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now let's just stand and worship. And as we do, maybe there's something going on in your world that you just want someone to pray with you for. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you just need to get your life right with Jesus. Maybe there's something going on. You just need to get your life right. Don't leave this place without letting us pray for you. The altar's open this morning. If you've got a healing need, um, come on, pray with you.